Hey, Dane, can you hear that? That is the Seattle rain. After last week and I was all bragging about it being sunny and 70, now it really is raining in Seattle in freaking June. So I started this podcast outside my house just to give that beautiful weather update to Dane because I knew he'd appreciate it. I'm making my way back to my room here and back to my notes. And this is the Dane and Nick show. And this week we'll be covering UCLA football. Sorry if the volume changes a little bit here. I'm uh, about to adjust my position again, but had to give Dane that close-up beauty of the Seattle rain. All right, window closing and normal podcast commencing. So, in all seriousness, as I kind of sit down here and get comfortable, all right, so this is going to be where the volume will be at the rest of the podcast here in mind. Did want to say, obviously, we are in a very interesting time in our country and I'm not sure exactly what to say in this instance I just believe that racism is wrong in any way shape or form there's been a lot of that going around and I don't want to harp on this really too much I just want to say that maybe some good will come out of all this and for everyone to stay strong and as I always say spread love and seriously just do the best you can do to be a decent person racism really benefits no one is probably not going to make you feel good if you are the racist and yeah we can all work to get better we can all work to improve and i'll leave it at that so in all seriousness why do i always say in all seriousness what a transition (laughs) i will um have my kind of normal introduction this is the dane and nick show and yeah without further ado we'll be covering ucla football this week so my normal intro will be coming up and we'll get back into the normal swing of things Well, no, it's worse than the Seattle rain, baby. UCLA football. U-C-L-A. All right, guys. So, it's been a lot. Let's get get to it now. So, um, you're really looking at the program in a hole here. Four consecutive losing seasons. Last year had a record low attendance at the Rose Bowl. Lost 14 players in the transfer market, however you want to phrase that. I think the technical terminology is portal. And they lost defensive back Darnay Holmes as well as tight end Devin, a CSI, I'm not sure how to say that one, to the NFL draft. So really, that hurts. On top of that, their biggest loss could be two-year offensive line starter in Christophany Murray as he decided to leave the program. So you're looking at where they're at right now, just really in a tough place. I'll break down the roster a little bit later on here. Like I mentioned, Dane will take you out of the schedule at the end of the show. But I just want to look at where they are as a program whole. Again, low attendance, four consecutive losing seasons in a row, and lost three very key pieces to last year's squad. So over the last two years, seven and seventeen, last year's mark four and eight, four and five in conference. So that four and five in conference is kind of commendable, at least something reputable. And with all the negativity in the program, I think people do forget at one point last year. They actually made a run where it looked like they had a, a potential chance to win the Pac-12 South. They won three games in a row, I believe. Let's see. I thought I pulled up their schedule. Okay. This is their 2017 schedule. But they won three games in a row, eventually setting them up for a matchup against Utah. And if they had beaten Utah and Salt Lake City, they actually would have risen to the top of the South, which sounds absolutely 
abhorrent if that's the correct term I'm using there, but it really was possible. They really could have taken a lead in the South. Well, they did end up losing that game 49-3 in Salt Lake City, so that did end pretty, pretty quickly. So again, you're looking at them in their entirety, just really not in a good spot. Next year, there's going to be some things to decide. Mainly, I'd say at the quarterback position, you go DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, or Colson Yankoff, as well as how do they replace Joshua Kelly, and I'll get into that in the next segment. So, I'll send it down to Dane in Tucson, and thanks, Dane, <laughs> for listening to that Seattle rain. Hope you enjoyed it. In all seriousness, I hope you're safe. I hope you're healthy, man. I'm going to kick it down to you in Tucson now. Thanks, Nick. Always glad to hear that rain. We're at about, I think, an inch and a half or something ridiculously small here in Tucson on the entire year so far, so... It's always nice to hear some rain and imagine what it's like um, because we're not getting anything like that here in Tucson. But um, transitioning to the Bruins, uh, when you say all those statistics, it kind of surprises me. Um, I guess I didn't realize that the program was, I guess, in that bad shape. I think that's fair to say uh, during the Chip Kelly era. I mean, you know, they haven't lived up to expectations, haven't been winning as many games as expected. But when you put it that way, it paints a bleak picture that I'm not sure if the perception of that program is reflected in those statistics. In other words, I think the perception is probably a little bit better um, than what the stats would say, at least, you know, outside of L.A. Um, It just feels like the program is in a better place than the dire kind of uh, picture you painted in your statistical analysis there. But um, for this season coming up, DTR is coming back, which is very big. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the Pac-12. Makes mistakes, but, you know, he's an explosive runner. Um, He's okay at passing the ball. I think really his strength is running it. And, you know, he can make plays with his feet, which is what you need in the modern era of football. And running back, Demetri Felton returns. So that's a good one-two punch you're going to have rushing the ball. Um, But that leads me to the next topic is just the, the offensive system there. At UCLA under Chip Kelly, it's very vanilla. It's like a pro-style type of offense that's been adopted to the college game. It's not the Oregon blur that they ran out there in Oregon or that Chip Kelly ran in Oregon. And so it's this hybrid NFL type of offense that just doesn't translate well to the college game. And I don't know why Chip Kelly is doing this. I think he's trying to audition for another role in the NFL instead of adopting his tried and true, you know, Oregon blur, run the ball, you know, play action pass a lot of the time, you know, the run pass option game and just a lot of speed, do it quickly, be in shape and conditioned practice, you know, um, efficiently in the mornings for short amounts of time. Like, I don't, I don't know why he got away from that. He made a national championship out there in Oregon running that system. And he just decided not to implement it here at UCLA for reasons nobody understands. And he hasn't had as much success, um, you know, obviously uh, in LA that he did, up there in Eugene, so it's just a bit of a head-scratcher, but uh, for me, for barometers of programs and the direction of programs, I always look at recruiting classes because that's basically the most important aspect of, um, you know, a program outside of performance on the field, Uh, and so if you look at this year's class for 2020, the Bruins had the 32nd best class in the nation and the sixth best in the Pac-12, so that's, you know, right in the middle of the conference and it's right in the middle of the Power Five. So it can be described as average all around. Um, they do have a couple four stars coming in who I am thinking can make a, an impact um, in, in their first year. 
Uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, there's two linebackers that are four stars. The first one is Damian Sellers. He's a outside linebacker out of Scottsdale, Arizona. The other one is Jonathan Bonds out of um, California. So um, those are two four-star linebackers that should be able to make an impact on day one. I don't know if they'll start, but they should see playing time and um, likely make an impact their first year. Uh, how much of an impact is yet to be seen? And it'll be interesting to watch their development in the first year and over their sophomore years, too. Uh, and then they have a four-star quarterback coming in. Um, if DTR isn't playing well for he gets injured, which he probably will, um, they might put in Parker McGuire. He's a four-star pro-style quarterback out of New Hampshire. Uh, coming in with a decent amount of hype is the 256th best player overall. Um, so, you know, he's up there. He's not a five-star, but he can probably throw the ball pretty well. And um, don't know about his mobility, but um, it should fit Chip Kelly's system a little bit more. And I think there's a good argument to make that he is the heir apparent to DTR. And he may he may redshirt this year. He may not. He'll probably play in four games. And they'll make a decision about whether or not to burn his redshirt year. And there's another four-star that got coming in, uh, Logan Loya, uh, wide receiver out of California. So add some weapons. Uh, he probably doesn't start, but he probably sees playing time in his first season, catches a few balls, probably gets a few touchdowns. So, um, yeah, but without further ado, I'll throw it back up to Nick out there in Seattle. At the end of this episode, I'll break down the um, schedule for the Bruins. And then, um, but yeah, toss it back up to Nick where I'm guessing it's still raining. And um, I'm a little bit jealous because it, it was probably 106 today here and sunny so, um, oh, and the air conditioning is not working in my car, which is absolutely fantastic. So, um, live it up, Nick. So this is going to be the part of the show where I break down the UCLA's roster, spend enough time joking around the top of the show. So let's get right to it. You're looking at the quarterback position. They have Dorian Thompson Robinson. In plain and simple, he has to get better. I mean, he's not good, dude. And anyone who's telling you he's getting the job done is lying. I'm not sure if it's the coaching. I'm not sure if it's him. I'm not sure if it's the scheme. I'm not sure if it's the system. I'm not sure whatever it is. Whatever it is, he's not getting the job done. Last year had a 60% or excuse me, had worse than a 60% completion percentage for the entirety of the season. That's just terrible, man. If you're not able to hit the consistent routes, you're in a lot of trouble. And things like that will lead to a 4-8 record. See what I'm saying? So that's just terrible. On top of that, he had only two games where he didn't throw an interception. So he's turning the ball over and not hitting routes consistently. That's just not a winning combination for the quarterback position. Looking ahead to next year, he will probably be the guy would be my best guess. And I have a heck of a kind of situation for you later in this segment here. But he could kind of lose his job to Washington transfer Colson Yankoff. A lot of kind of talk in UCLA circles that he could have been the guy last year but Washington actually blocked him from playing immediately. So Colson Yankoff could be the starter next year in a name to really remember. And like I said, I'll come back to this whole situation at the end of the segment. I got some that Chip Kelly's probably not thinking about and probably not ready for, to be quite frank. But again, Colson Yankoff transfer and DTR Dorian Thompson-Robinson are going to be your two kind of people fighting out for the starting quarterback spot. You're looking at the running back position now. It's like... Pretty bare. I mean, to be quite frank, they lost Joshua Kelly, who had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. 
and was probably the most productive player on UCLA's offense last year, at least on a consistent basis. You had a couple of people, mainly to meet to fill and making, you know, a couple of huge appearances here and there. Bottom line, Joshua Kelly back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. He's out of town, and it's going to be essentially impossible to replace him. They may have one option and a name you haven't heard in grad transfer, Britton Brown. He's a transfer from Duke, and he could be the new guy every down back. I mean, when I say the guy, he could be the guy. Like, in 2019, he was a candidate for the Doak Walker Award, and essentially that means the nation's best running back, and I didn't know what that meant either, so I'm not going to cool. And he suffered a season-ending shoulder injury in 2019, or excuse me, last, last year. So that's ultimately what kind of hurt him. But again, he was a candidate for the Doak Walker Award in 2019, so he could be the dude for sure. If you're looking at some returning players or some other options, I'm not sure if they're all returning. You have Casimir Allen, Martel Irby, Jamon McClendon. None of them got significant touches last year, which to me is also a problem within the system. I think that backup running back should be getting more touches, to be quite frank. I'm not sure why that wouldn't happen on a 4-8 team, but <laughs> I'm not the head coach over there. So, I mean, who knows? You're looking at Allen and Casimir Allen. He rushed 13 times for 63 yards, and Martel Irby had 10 carries for 34 yards. So, essentially, no action, no spring ball to prepare themselves. So, you kind of got to hope that Britton Brown's the guy at running back. And that'd be the name I would roll with, Britton Brown, but other options are going to be Casimir Allen, Martel Irby, or Jamal McClendon. Obviously, Demetric Felton is the main, most explosive player out of the running back position, but he probably doesn't have the size to take like hits like that running up the middle on a consistent basis. More of a fly sweep, get him out in open areas type of guy. He's, again, the most explosive player, but probably not the every down back. But speaking of him and Demetric Felton, he was pretty much, the I'd say, one of not, the second best option, but top three options on UCLA's offense last year outside of um, Joshua Kelly's previously mentioned. And so he caught 55 passes for 331 yards last year, and he's got to be the dude this year. Plain and simple, unless one of these transfers really step up and take over, he has got to be the dude, and that's not him. So those are going to be the main names to remember on offense. Everything just so up in the air with UCLA right now, especially with the lack of spring ball. Chip Kelly sometimes has interesting kind of Decisions on when he announces rosters during spring ball, so we're kind of void of that, or at least I haven't seen any information regarding that as of this moment. So the main kind of names to remember, again, Dimitri Felton, probably going to be the best returning player. Britton Brown could be a heck of a transfer at running back. So those are your two guys. Oh, and if you're looking out for a position for Dimitri Felton, I don't know if I can give you one. Running back, wide out, slot guy, do it all, jack of all trades, make that money. I don't know. He, he's just out here doing things on the field. Fun, fun kid to watch. So, on defense, normally you would talk about the roster personnel. And that's what's going to be very interesting about this. A lot of people in UCLA don't care about the roster this year. And this is because they returned their defensive coordinator in Jerry Azanaro. And uh, this is <laughs> likely to upset many Bruin fans, alumni, and well, freaking everybody. <laughs> Last year's defense was terrible, bro. I could have rushed through a hole, man. I could have Give me a lane. I would have cut up in there, man. I would 10 yards. Maybe we trucked a guy in there defense, you know? That's how bad they were last year. I seriously probably wouldn't have done. I would have been smacked so hard. These are D1 athletes, bro. There's a reason I, <laughs> I wasn't a D1 athlete. So, again, Jerry Asinaro is back. And that just really... No one's really sure why. Statistically, I don't get it. And you'd think someone at the top would make a change or probably think about making a change, but they didn't. So he's back. And last year, they had the 11th best defense in the Pac-12 and allowed 34.8 points per game. So that's pretty terrible. They're bringing in seven early in... Well, that was trouble there. 
They're bringing in seen early enrollees is what I've written. So I think that means seven. So <laughs> Bruins bringing in seven early enrollees. I'm 90% sure that's correct. And then you're looking at the main unit you're going to want to, you're going to, want to discuss here is going to be the linebackers. They lost a lot of talent due to graduation. And so the younger guys and new guys will need to step up, especially if you're looking at a team. Again, you're allowed nearly five touchdowns a game last season. This Someone needs to step up. They actually had an eight-player turnover in the linebackers group. They did pick up a lot of new players, actually eight new players, exactly, to fill the eight-player void. Something crazy how that works out. So, again, they've kind of replaced the linebacker core, but not with talent. Just they have the numbers, but not talent-wise. And the most notable player you're going to want to know in defense is going to be four-star recruit in Damian Sellers. That's essentially the only name you really need to know in defense at this point. Just really just not a lot to go off of on the defensive side of the ball. There are some other notable kind of coaching changes, and that's going to be, let's see where I can find this up here. Brian Norwood is UCLA's new defensive backs coach. Didn't you like me talking to myself? And he's also the passing game coordinator and assistant head coach. So, what <laughs> random position. He's the, he is the defensive backs coach, the passing game coordinator, and also an assistant head coach. That's just really interesting job titles. So, essentially, yeah. I mean, you have the new coaches and really nothing else on defense to go off of. Just lost a lot of talent at the linebacker position. Have recruited the numbers back. But really... We'll see what happens. I think this even's going to be pretty weak. Pretty awful, to be quite frank. And the most notable player on this group, again, is four-star recruit Damian Sellers. And that's not the linebackers. So the interesting scenario I wanted to talk about at the top here is that Chip Kelly is in such a... I want to say a swear word. He's in such a freaking bad situation right now, man. Because you're looking at the optics of the world right now with all the protests going on and that sort of thing. And then you're looking at, well, he's a three-year African-American starting quarterback in Dorian Thompson-Robinson. And he has put in the experience, the numbers. And probably Colson Yankoff's better because DTR can't throw the ball. I mean, hit receivers on a consistent basis at all. To be quite frank, he's pretty terrible. And so, are you going to start a white boy? See how I'm getting that? Think about Chip Kelly's past... Um, kind of rumors about him and I'm not here to say anything about that because I don't know Chip Kelly personally and for me to do so would be wrong I don't know anything about Chip Kelly in the way he views people and views the world but a lot of people have kind of felt that Chip Kelly maybe has traded some African-American players away so if he starts Colson Yankoff even if he's the clear-cut better guy over DTR he could be in such a freaking bad situation Unless Yankoff wins like 10 win or ten games, takes them to the Rose Bowl, wins the Rose Bowl, then people won't think about it. But seriously, he is in a very, very interesting philosophical bind. I don't know what he's going to do about it. Again, in my opinion, Colson Yankoff is probably the better quarterback. It's not hard to be better than Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Dude couldn't throw the ball again. Less than 60% completions last year for the whole season. For the whole freaking season. And almost through interception every game. And led him to four and eight mark, and fumbled one time with no one tackling him. I mean, so that's probably not your dude. And Colson Yankoff again. What does Chip Kelly do about this situation? Just what? What the heck does he do? So breaking down kind of their roster, we're gonna again look at offensively. The names to remember are gonna be Dorian Thompson Robinson, third year starting quarterback, new transfer quarterback Colson Yankoff. Those are gonna be your two options at QB. At halfback, you're going to have 
I'd say Britton Brown's the most notable name to remember there. Transfer from Duke and again, candidate, 2019 candidate for the Doak Walker Award. He could really be a surprise in the conference and maybe a savior of UCLA. You're looking at Demetrik Felton as the best returning player. Caught 55 passes for 331 yards and really just doesn't have a position. I mean, wide receiver, slot guy, running back, whatever you want to call him, he makes plays. That, that's just what it is. On the defensive side of the ball, no one really cares about their roster, as I mentioned. It's just one of those things where since they brought Jerry Azenario back and their defense was so bad last year, again, allowed nearly five touchdowns per game. That's hard to win with. Everyone's upset about that. And I don't think anyone really cares who's on defense because they don't perform. Azenario is going <laughs> to take the fire, to be quite frank. But, you know, if some kids do step up and defense starts playing well, then the kids will get recognition. Always want to give the kids more love, but really just not a lot of names to go off of this year. My one name to remember again would be linebacker and four-star recruit Damian Sellers. He could be a name to remember. That's my dude on the defense. So that's my kind of roster wrap-up there. Dane's going to take it down, break down the schedule, that sort of thing. And seriously, tell me what you think on Twitter. Hit me back. I'm actually really curious. What do you think Chip Kelly does about this situation? If he replaces a third-year African-American starting quarterback for Colson Yankoff, who's white, what the heck kind of reaction is that going to create in Westwood? And is he really just in a no-win, fine, terrible situation? I mean, you didn't think it could be worse with that 7-17 and mark over the past two seasons and 4-8 and last year, but it could get worse for Chip Kelly. Dane, take us out of the schedule. Again, thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, Nick. I think I'm a little bit higher on DTR than you. Um, I know he's not the greatest passer, makes mistakes, throws interceptions, but he's a pretty good runner, which, you know, makes it confusing why Chip Kelly doesn't implement his Oregon style offense because DTR is the perfect quarterback for that system. It just makes no sense that you try and put DTR into a hybrid pro style balance vanilla type of offense that they run out there that's just makes no sense but you know whatever well let's move on to the um to the schedule and they open up the year against new mexico state and pasadena count this as a win new mexico state they you know they made a bowl game like two or three years ago and haven't really been decent since I think now they are independent school, um, so they play a bunch of. It's an interesting schedule that play. If you want to look it up, go ahead and look it up. But uh, they're not going to be able to compete with the Bruins. Um, maybe in the first quarter, maybe a little bit in the second quarter. But UCLA should win this one by at least three touchdowns, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was by more. And this the second week is a big game against Hawaii and Honolulu. So. Last year, Hawaii played Arizona and Oregon State out there in Honolulu, won both of those games. So they are used to beating Pac-12 opponents in the islands, and UCLA is next up. So if the Bruins aren't ready to play this game and play this game well, they're distracted by this Honolulu allure, they're going to lose this game. And, um, you know, it's not like there's a bunch of fans that go to there to make it a hostile environment. It's more of the travel time island distractions, things like that. Oh, and Hawaii has a decent team, too. They're not slouches or pushovers. Uh, you know, Rolovich left for Wazoo, so they have a new head coach, but they have a good quarterback out there. Can't remember his name. He was a freshman last, last year. Uh, he's replacing Cole McDonald. He did 
um, replace him in some games when McDonald was throwing um, interceptions, which he tended to do. But it's I'm guessing they're going to implement the same system as Rolovich had, the air raid or the run and shoot. So they're going to throw the ball all over the Bruins. Bruins' defense is porous. It's going to come down to whether or not Chip Kelly's offense can hang with the Warriors. And I think they're going to lose this game. So one and one um, to start the year. The third game of the non-conference is probably the most difficult one. It's at San Diego State. Uh, you know, the Mountain West is a little bit of an underrated conference. Uh, last year, San Diego State beat the Bruins. And this game is, you know, at their house down there in San Diego. And you know that that program, the Aztecs, are going to be very motivated for this game. They're going to want to win it. Um, you know, it's basically like a rivalry for them, I think, um, is fair to say. And they want to show up the Pac-12 and all those, um, you know, I'm sure there's guys that are at San Diego State that wanted to go to UCLA but didn't get offers. And so there's a little bit of a motivation, revenge type of factor going on there. And then to open up, okay, so if you're paying attention closely, um, I'm guessing one and two in non-conference play, though it's possible that they could be two and one, and they might go three and oh, though I think that's unlikely. Um, so over under one and a half, and I'd probably take the under. But um, okay, so uh, transitioning to conference play, they open up the Pac-12 season against Stanford at the Rose Bowl. I think they can beat the Cardinal. If you've listened to our um, podcast, you know that I'm not big on Stanford and haven't been for the last year and um, not going to change. So I'm going to go ahead and give this one to the Bruins. I think they can beat Stanford. Uh, it's going to be a close game. Might even go to overtime or last second field goal. But the fact the game's out there in L.A., at least me to believe DTR will get it done and they're going to win this game, though it'll be close. And they follow that up with a game against Arizona. Um, you know, since the Pac-12 expanded in 2011, UCLA has pretty much had Arizona's number for, you know, the whole era. And, you know, last year the Cats pulled one out because the Bruins missed a field goal at the end. It was a heartbreaker. And, yeah, you know, this is a toss-up for me. I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona won, but I think I would pick UCLA to win. So I think they're actually going to start 2-0 and in conference play. And at this point of the season, they could be 4-1. and one. They have a very outside shot of being 5-0. and oh, And they could be um, two wins at this point. So it might be 2-3. and three. Anywhere from 2-3 and three, um, to probably 3-2 and two at this point of the year is a decent prediction. And then they go to Arizona State. They're going to lose that game. I don't even have to go into this very much detail. Um, Sun Devils are going to be good this season. Games in Tempe, um, if I had to guess, it might be a day game. And the Bruins are just not going to win that one. Uh, following that, they go to Colorado. This is a toss-up game. The altitude is a uh, substantial factor in this. Colorado is going to look at this game as one of the ones that they have a decent chance of winning. Depending on how their season goes and the momentum, they might be really wanting to win this game. Um, just for the direction of the program under Durrell, new head coach up there, new system, new quarterback. Um, so really, it's, it's a toss-up. I think I'd pick UCLA to win, but I uh, would not be surprised if the Buffs won that one. And there's a following Thursday night game against the Utah uh, the Utes, and uh, it's in Pasadena. So this is um, this is really another toss-up in my mind. I would give the edge to Utah right now. 
though without knowing who's going to be their starting quarterback and how well he's going to run the system out there in Salt Lake City. It's really an unknown factor, the offense um, that Utah is going to have. Um, you know, they're probably going to be able to move the ball fairly easily on the Bruin defense, as all these teams are. So it could come down to a shootout who can score more. And a common theme for this whole season is going to be UCLA's offense, whether or not they can put points on the board because the defense isn't really going to be that much improved. So that's a toss-up. I'll give the edge to Utah, though. Uh, and then on the 7th of November, Bruins head to Oregon State and Corvallis for a game. Um, yeah, this is another toss-up in my mind. Um, tough to say how Oregon State's going to be. program has had a bit of momentum over the last year or two. It's been building up. They're going to have a new quarterback out there, though they're going to have the same system, same coach. And I'm going to give the edge to UCLA here, though this game is going to be a sleeper for an upset at this point of the season. So um, don't be shocked if the Bruins lose this one, but I think, they, I think they're going to win. And they host Washington State, so this is the this is a game that the Cougars are circling because if you remember what happened last year in Pullman, it was one of the strangest turn of events I've ever seen, where UCLA scored something like 50 points in about a quarter and a few minutes, and come back came back and won that game. Um, new new quarterback up there at Wazoo, new head coach, but they're gonna watch the film of that game last year, and he's gonna. Rolovich is going to use that to motivate his players. So I'm going to go ahead and give the edge to Washington State here just because of the upset factor, um, even though the game's out there in L.A. And then um, following week is the game against the Trojans. And I hate to say it, but there is no chance the Bruins win this one. UC, I mean, USC is going to roll in this game. They're going to be much better this season. I don't think it's really even going to be close. USC is going to score at will against the Bruin defense, and UCLA is going to struggle scoring. So this could be a three or four touchdown game, um, even though it is there um, in Pasadena. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to hang with the Trojans. And then to cap the year off, there's a road game at California on a Friday. This is a winnable game, though California uh, is going to be good this season. And I'm going to give the edge to the Bears. I think the Bears win this one. But, you know, UCLA could could pull off the upset here, but I find it unlikely, especially because it's a road game. If this game was in L.A., I feel better about um, the Bruins winning. But, again, the common theme this season is that the defense is going to be porous and give up a lot of points, and the offense is going to be about what it was last year. So um, when you don't change your offensive system and you don't improve your defense, you're really not going to expect a great change uh, and the end result. Um, so best case scenario in non-conference, you're two and one. Best case scenario in Pac-12 play, you beat Stanford, Arizona, Colorado, Oregon State, um, and then maybe you can take down Washington State and you know make a bowl game. But it's uh, it's going to be an uphill struggle. And if I had to guess right now. Probably, you know, I'm. I actually think they're going to make a bowl game at six and six. Um, I think they beat New Mexico State, um, do lose to Hawaii and San Diego State, but then take down Stanford, Arizona, um, Colorado, and Oregon State. So that'll put them right on the cusp of bowl eligibility, making the game with Washington State 
um, the deciding factor of whether or not they make a bowl in 2020. Um, but yeah, that's the uh, Bruin preview, and we'll see you guys next week. Stay safe uh, until then. Mm-hmm.